0: Is it possible to grow over 100,000 followers within one year even if you don't have a large following? Well, today's guest did exactly that. Just a year ago, Jerome had 20,000 followers and today he is almost reaching 150k in his follower count. In fact, when we recorded today's interview just a few months ago, he had just crossed the 100,000 follower threshold and now he has since grown over 40,000 additional new followers, which is very impressive. So in today's episode, we will be sitting down with him, picking his brain, getting his advice on how to improve on short-form video content, how to make super engaging stories, and also how to go viral with reels. Welcome to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Lee, and I'll be sharing industry knowledge and social media tips through weekly interviews with established creators and Q&A sessions. Our goal is to help you decode social media, become a full-time influencer, and do what you love for a living. Let's dive in. Hi, creators. Today, we have a very special guest who is also a really close friend of mine. We have Jerome. Welcome, Jerome.
1: Hello. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to myself. <laughs> Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> so Jerome and I, I think we met like three years ago now, two, three years ago. And yeah,
1: 2018.
0: Yes, we met in Paris and we basically uh, got to know each other on Instagram because we were both based in New York City before that. And in the three years, uh, we basically followed along with each other's journey very closely. And we also went on the same trip together in 2019 to Bali, which was an epic, epic content creation trip.
1: Epic and intense.
0: Yes, it was so tiring. If you want to see any of the stories, you can go to my story highlights and like scroll all the way back. And along the way, I have to say Jerome has really helped me a lot with my content, with the creation process, the behind the scenes and everything. At my wedding, he was a dedicated behind the scenes guy. He went around creating behind the scenes content for me, uh, which ended up being really amazing and helpful. So today I want to dive in with him all about how he started, how he really learned photography and improved so much in the last few years, and also something that I think he does very well, which is short form videos, specifically reels. We're going to dive deep into that and have him give us some really good tips to going viral with reels. So first, I want to ask you, why did you start your Instagram account and what was your original goal? Like, what did you have in mind when you started it?
1: I think I didn't I didn't really have a goal in particular like I started my Instagram account just like anyone else nowadays have an Instagram account just to post like personal stuff like you know when you're traveling you just post like whatever you want like you know I didn't really have a goal in particular I just started my account just because.
0: So I guess when did you start taking photography seriously like when did you start seeing some growth on your account and then you started to sort of create content consistently?
1: Like initially, I don't think there was a specific turning point where I told myself like, you know what, I'm just going to get into photography and, and do this. It was more like gradual progression. Um, I had my iPhone at first and then like, you know, I got an entry-level DSLR that my friend had and I was just like borrowing it for a while. And, and the more I spent time like taking photos, like just literally random photos of whatever I could take, the more I got curious to know about how I can improve myself. So it wasn't really like a there was one point in my journey that was really like the game changer thing. And I started doing photography series more like, yeah, just like a gradual progression. And then slowly, but surely, like I was uh, learning a little bit more on YouTube and then like uh, getting connected with people on Instagram and that kind of like kept me going just because I was curious and I wanted to learn more.
0: Yeah. So I know that in the beginning, uh, you started rooftoping, and that was one of the reasons that you gained a bit of a following, especially from New York City, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I guess um, it's it's. I wouldn't say it's a trend, but like it's it's kind of like a wave of people who were doing that in New York City, and that's kind of how I started. But again started more just by curiosity and i was like oh cool you can go to like rooftops in your city and get like different vantage points and uh, you want to take pictures might as well you know make them unique and make them your own so instead of just going to the same location that everyone else is going might as well try to you know get to different vantage points to create something that's a little bit different so yeah i guess um the very beginning of my journey when i first came to new york city was was that trying to go to rooftops and create something unique and that that's what kept me going
0: yeah so then when you first started, you had limited photography knowledge, where did you actually learn most of your skills and how did you practice by yourself?
1: YouTube University, I uh, <laughs> learned every single thing on YouTube and I actually never paid a dime for any courses or anything like that. Not that I don't, I don't recommend that actually, like I think if I did take like a photography course, like that would have helped me tremendously in terms of the amount of time that I spent. Because like on YouTube, you know, you have to like search uh, different resources yeah. and like, you know, inform yourself and everyone has like different opinions and it is kind of like time consuming. But I mean, I was just doing this for fun initially and I was working, you know, for like a marketing agency just like on the weekends or like after work, I was just taking my camera and, and doing photography for fun. So, yeah, I learned everything on YouTube and, uh, and progress through that.
0: Yeah, I did a solo podcast episode recently to talk a little bit about like the keys to succeeding as an influencer. And one of them was self-awareness and the willingness to learn. I basically was just saying like, I think it's important for uh, creators to know where, what level their content is at and how they can improve. And then also from there, be able to seek out the resources to improve their work i think a lot of people would probably look at your work now and be like oh jerome is so talented that's the most common thing that people comment when i feature you or when you're in my stories or i share your stuff everyone's like jerome is so talented what do you have to say about that in terms of like talent versus learning and just continuous practice and hard work
1: i honestly i did there's a lot that could be said um and, and it's interesting that you talk about like self-awareness because I talked about this in of my stories like a year ago, but I just like so many other people went through that Dunning-Kruger effect uh, period where, you know, initially when I first got uh, Lightroom and I started editing and, you know, I was doing those like overly saturated uh, pictures. And I just, I just thought like, in a way, like I'm I, not, I made it, but like, You know, I was getting like much better in photography and stuff like that. And now now I look back at my work and I'm like, oh my God, that was terrible. So (laughs) it takes a lot of time. And I don't think anyone progress in photography immediately a couple of weeks after they pick up their camera for the first time and they learn photography, they are immediately good. No, that doesn't happen. People go through experiences and they go through trial and, and, and error and they fail sometimes and they succeed sometimes. And through those experiences, you learn a lot. So for me, definitely, I never thought I had like an eye for photography or for art in general but I learned a lot and kind of like my interest for social media mixed well with photography as well because I'm not doing like purely photography stuff I'm kind of like mixing it with like yes. what people enjoy to watch or to see on social media so that kind of like mixture between one photography but two purely social media driven type of contents boosted my curiosity into learning more into a to and more, I guess, like, you know, studying more on YouTube, studying more my favorite photographers that I admired.
0: Yeah. It's kind of interesting that you pointed that out, that um, photography versus doing things with social media, there's a slight differentiation there. Would you consider yourself more a photographer in the traditional sense or more of like a content creator on social media?
1: Much. Mm-hmm. Much more of a content creator on social media, and I think I think the reason is simple. I grew up with this wave of people who were creating content like purely for social media, and I didn't learn photography the traditional way. It's more like I kept going with like the different trends or like covering myself and, and learning like that so I on my part enjoy both sides I enjoy traditional photography and the landscape photographers and people like that but I also enjoy people who do photography on social media or use social media as a platform to create really social media content it could be like comedy or it could be talking about food and stuff like that I definitely yeah enjoy both so I'm kind of like a hybrid of both sides like I use photography and I post it on social media but my photography is much more driven towards what people psychologically like on On social social media
0: media. yeah yeah i do think a lot of creators nowadays uh grew up with social media or developed their content creation skills with social media and that's one of the reasons why like our brains are wired to think for social media to create for social media and so we're always shooting vertically instead of horizontally and we always forget to shoot horizontally that's one of the things yeah
1: i'm I'm definitely i'm definitely a victim of that
0: yes me too so then who did you look up to the most when you first started learning? I know you have a few that you always mention, but whose work do you love the most and learn from the most?
1: There, there's definitely a few. Those few people kind of like spread across like different periods of time. You know, when I was just starting and getting into social media and everything, I think I started initially because I used to watch a lot of YouTube vlogs, like daily vlogs, and so, for example, Mr. Ben Brown on YouTube, when he used to daily vlog, he used to give a lot of advice about photography and his uh, photography cinematography journey as he was daily vlogging and as he was doing safaris in South Africa and like, traveling the world. So that kind of like initially um, triggered my interest into how he was doing like, wildlife photography, even though I wasn't doing wildlife photography, nor I was in like an environment. Where i could do wildlife photography but visually enjoying what he was posting online that was what kind of like first sparked my interest and koki who's my good friend now i i used to like really admire i mean i still do but uh when even when i didn't know him personally i used to really enjoy his work and like look at his stuff and tell myself wow he captures japan in like such a different way or like a way that i've never visualized before um who else Sam Calder like everyone I, think, I feel like went through like a period of time where you know he yes. was posting a lot of cool videos and like even his photos were were amazing so yeah those are like a couple of the names that pops to mind um when i think about that
0: and i i feel like i hear you talk also a lot about peter mckinnon and casey neistat and sometimes we also share some other creators that we also know in person like mayor he's also super talented kind of like slightly sam calder vibe but mm-hmm. he has his own style of course
1: yeah yeah it's it's interesting actually how like everyone has like different styles and and different of point of focus or different assets that they're just like good at and so yeah through the experience of like, you know, like shooting with Mayor for fun or shooting with uh, um, with Tom, Tom Johnsey, or, um, you know, just like watching Casey Neistat online and his uh, incredible storytelling and like Peter McKinnon, how he's very engaging. He can be talking about something like very simple, but he's going to be super engaging and like adding a lot of movement and everything. Just trying to like take notes in a way on like good assets that people have in order yeah. to uh, get inspired and uh, create myself, my own style as well.
0: Yeah. A lot of these people have their own special characteristics uh, that really make them an interesting creator. For example, like Peter McKinnon, he was a magician before he actually yeah. became a full-time creator. So a lot of these small details and skills that they learn in life eventually become valuable later on as well, I suppose.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, and I feel like it's the same for you because you came from like a design background. And even though my style of content is like completely completely different to your style of content i still like you know learn a lot from helping you from even just like hanging out with you and and so sort of like the visual aspect that, that you have for your content i you know again it's not I, I wouldn't replicate the same type of content because it's you know very feminine and it's not my style of content but you know there's like little bits and pieces that i can take notes of and like sort of like use that not use that content, but use that knowledge of the content in order to apply it to what it would be applicable in my case for my style of content.
0: Yeah, yeah, Jerome and I have a lot of conversations about creating content. And often when we end up meeting up in person, we have like brainstorming sessions, even like unintentionally, and we end up coming up with a lot of great ideas for both video and photo. And it just kind of is great to have like a friend and a small support group where you can always talk to and get inspired by. So I would really recommend everybody out there who wants to get better at content, you know, learn like Jerome did from YouTube, but also find people around you that you can grow with and, and create content with so that you can inspire each other and improve together. Yep. So I want to really focus this particular episode on short form video, which I feel you have basically mastered, especially your stories. (laughs) To me, I feel like they're so engaging, the ones that you really put effort into. So there's like story series where you can tell Jerome put a lot of effort into them. And obviously, he knows that the story views are insanely high, which is proof that they're very engaging. How do you go about planning some of these story series that you create? And how do you plan out the storyline? How much planning is actually involved?
1: uh it it depends you know it could it could really vary but for those for which i put like a lot of effort especially when i'm traveling and i'm trying to like put out as much content as possible there it takes a lot of time but i would say like it's a mixture of different stuff like it takes a lot of time like doing some research making sure that you have like your facts right if you are sharing like factual stuff or like fun facts and stuff like that like i used to do in japan but it also takes time to sort of like understand what people like, what people like to see, what people like uh, to consume on social media. And I feel like um, in order to create the most engaging type of short form stories on your Instagram stories, I think that the most important thing is to understand people's psychology. Um, If you manage to be, to understand people's psychology and what they like to consume, then you're going to be able to like better structure inside your head, like what you're going to talk about and, um therefore when you start recording stories and everything you structure inside your head like a proper order like I introduce like a topic I speak about something there's like um element perturbateur how do you say this in English like uh,
0: Jerome's French side is coming in
1: <laughs> something that comes into the story that adds like a like a spice to it or, or something like a yeah. problem for example and then solution to the problem and then end of the story so just like we learned in school about how to write like an essay, you know, there's like, yeah. an introduction, a core and a conclusion.
0: Yeah. So for example, like even when Jerome is in Japan, so Jerome, actually, we should have mentioned this earlier on, but Jerome is half Japanese and half French, but he is a world citizen. So he speaks like multiple languages. He's lived everywhere in the world. So when he visited Japan not so long ago, he created a series of Japan stories talking about some of the culture, the food, and just some common practices there. But what he did was think in terms of the audience. He thought about where his audience are mainly from and what would be interesting and unique to them, which could be completely normal to to Japanese people. And he made a point to highlight those things and explain what it meant um, culturally, what the meanings are. And that's what I thought made it very, very engaging and interesting. Just the, the fact that you're able to put yourself in your audience's shoe and tell the story that way.
1: Yeah, exactly. You have to you have to understand like who's listening to you. And my best advice for like creating good content on wherever on stories on your feed on your videos is be interesting. And be be interesting is very vague. You know, like how are you interesting? Who am yeah. I interesting to? Like that's what I'm saying. Like understanding people's psychology is very important. But a typical example for me is I don't care much about seeing what people eat for lunch. Like you know a lot of people post on their stories like oh i'm having brunch and like i'm having like avocado toast and, and this is what i'm having for lunch i don't care about that i scroll past and like next story i don't care but if someone is traveling to somewhere interesting and they're traveling to like a country that i'm unfamiliar with with a culture that i'm unfamiliar with and they're, for the first time, eating something that they've never tried before that's very intriguing, then that's interesting. It's kind of like situational, like where you're traveling to uh, what you're doing during your day and to your home. Um, Try to be interested, try to be like just unique and, and provide value, provide knowledge, provide entertainment and talk about something that people usually don't talk about.
0: Yeah, I think that kind of awareness and just preparing and thinking from that perspective really does make your stories much more engaging. It's not just about using what kind of stickers and functions that are available that gives you high engagement. You know, mm-hmm. you, you can watch these reels that these so-called Instagram coaches love to share all the time, like stop posting for a day and then show up with your face in the first slide. And then in the second one, do a poll none of these really matter at all. Like we could not post any polls and make sure that the storyline of the stories, a bit of a tongue twister there, is interesting. And that will do all of the heavy lifting. All of these little polls and interactive things are just a nice little add-on. And I feel like should be used moderately.
1: Yeah, exactly. I always say content is king story is king. If you have a good story, it almost doesn't matter the quality of the camera uh, that you're using. Uh, It doesn't matter like what features on Instagram you're using, people are going to follow the story. It's better to have a king of a story with a potato quality camera than an absolute beast of a camera and like no story to tell.
0: Absolutely. But then just in terms of the different ways of filming though, how do you make your stories more interesting than just holding your phone in selfie mode and speaking to the camera?
1: Yeah. So my ultimate perfect example for that is Casey Neistat when he was daily vlogging. A lot of people, it's it's sort of like you don't notice when Casey Neistat is daily vlogging that he, he puts so much effort into thinking Um, what scenes I'm gonna put first and then what I'm gonna talk about second and what I'm gonna talk about last. And sort of like the mixture of different um, types of of stuff that he includes in his vlog. And even he talks about it in one of his vlogs that's I think called how to vlog, like Casey Neistat that he posted himself, that he purposely thinks ahead of time about the story and about how he's gonna tell the story um, how, where is he going to put the camera? Is it going to be like a, uh, holding the camera in his hand and like speaking to the camera or like putting it down on a small tripod on the table and speaking without any movement? Uh, what timing of the video he's going to include some time lapses because time lapses help you tell a story and tell that time is passing by. And he actually thinks about like, you know, putting like a good balance of all of these. And when I tell my stories on my stories, it's, it's exactly the same. Um, I'm traveling to our country I make sure that you know there's like an introduction where I speak to the camera and I say this is what we're doing blah 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 and then there's another section where it's going to be just like a time lapse of you know the the car on the road going to the next destination with a caption saying like on our way to this place and then we're going to arrive there and I'm going to talk about this and then it's just a matter of like varying a bunch of stuff um in order to keep the audience engaged rather than having like 10 stories in a row of like 50% of the screen covered by your face, you're yes. talking to the camera. Yes, yes. People are in the board of that. Exactly. So a good balance. Exactly, it's like in photography, you need to have a good balance of a lot of stuff.
0: Yes. I think that's probably one of the things that I see I wouldn't call it a mistake per se, but I think it's one thing that a lot of people can improve on very easily from their stories is to just vary the angle that you record your stories. Maybe sometimes you're holding the phone and you're doing like selfie videos, but then sometimes you're putting it on the floor and from like a lower angle perspective and then you're doing mm-hmm. whatever task it is you're doing. It just makes it so much more interesting. Or you could even do like a top-down bird's eye view of you, maybe writing down your notes or whatever it is. And uh, there's just so many ways that you can change things up to make it more engaging and capture your audience's attention.
1: Exactly, just like how we, uh, when we shoot and we show BTS, you know, there might be like a first scene saying, like, hey, we're in this location, speaking to the camera, and this is what we're doing." And then the next sequence is going to be uh, the phone on a small tripod like third person point of view, looking at both of us in the scene, just like shooting uh, from like a third person's perspective.
0: Yeah, I also think you brought up a great point where even when you're telling like the behind the scenes, instead of just putting a video of a time lapse on your stories and then just saying, we are shooting today, have an intro where you first speak to the camera and address your audience directly to first hook them in and tell them what you're going to talk about. And then you can maybe show them the area, maybe do a little pan or something more aesthetic. And then you can go into showing how time is passing as you're creating the content and shooting and do a little time lapse to show the actual behind the scenes of the shooting process. So, and then at the very end, you can wrap Mm -hmm. it up with another selfie video and be like, okay, so that was our video. I hope you. Uh, enjoyed our process you know that's like a very complete story that you have just told even if it's just a simple bts of a photo shoot Mm -hmm. and i think that's what jerome brings into his stories that makes it so engaging so to sum it up have a good storyline beginning middle and an end sometimes you can introduce a conflict and a resolution if you if you want if it happens that way And then second, according to Jerome, is to vary your angles or vary the way you film it. Maybe it's regular pace. Maybe it's time lapse. Maybe it's uh, from the low angle stationary. Maybe it's moving along with you. So change it up. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, think from the perspective of the audience. So think about what the audience would find interesting versus what you would find interesting. You got to put yourself in their shoes so that you hit all the right psychological points and keep them hooked and engaged.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that brings back to the point that I was saying earlier, where you have to be interesting. And if you want to think about being interesting, you have to incorporate those, like, you know, vary the angles and if you can tell a story, then you're going to be interesting if you cannot tell a story and it's just some random mashup of like whatever you did and you know people don't understand that there's a story then it's not going to be interesting
0: yeah actually I also think that you do something that I think is very interesting for your stories is that you kind of have a routine and a signature tagline what is your signature intro when you greet your audience
1: yo <laughs> <laughs> no That's you say good, um,
0: good good day hello what was that
1: Oh, no, I know I switched it to yo, but like I used to be like, um, what's up, everybody? How's it going? What's going on?
0: Yes, yes, yes. I used to
1: say that a lot, but I took that kind of like from, from Ben Brown that I used to follow him.
0: Right. Yeah,
1: he used to do that. But.
0: So what I wanted to point out is how Jerome also has his signature when he shows up in stories. So that when people are scrolling, let's say they're just swiping on their phone in stories. When they come across Jerome's first stories, it's always him going, yup. And then like a really wide angle selfie mode. And then he does this little peace sign. And it's really easy for people to recognize and remember him. And also know that, oh, this is Jerome's stories. They're interesting. I'm going to stop and I'm going to watch.
1: Yeah. And usually when I do that signature move and I do the yoke with the peace sign. Yeah. It means that I'm about to say something. Yeah. And people will understand that I'm about to say something that's somewhat interesting. So as soon as they see the yoke, they know that they need to tune into my stories and keep on watching
0: exactly he also introduces this trigger where people will be trained to know that oh this is your own stories let's go watch it are you an aspiring creator who wants to get paid to be yourself and do what you love well i have a free training that will help you achieve exactly that this training will cover the four steps to landing paid brand deals even if you don't have a ton of followers so you can start growing and monetizing your social media following Save your spot today at SuccessfulInfluencer.com slash training or head to the link in the description. I think those are such great points to take away. And I think this mastering of short form video also reflected when Jerome started doing Reels. So when Reels first came out, what were you thinking? Were you like super excited about it to start posting short form video?
1: It was, it was kind of like a testing field, I guess, like, you know, Instagram comes up with a new feature, just like when they came up with stories, um, initially, you know, it, it was just kind of like replicating what Snapchat was doing back in the day. And I was just thinking like, okay, cool. They came up with a new feature. How can I use this feature to improve my, my content game? Yeah. How can I use that feature in order to create more content, to be more interested in it, to provide other types of values? And I think it's great that they came up with this feature because it allows us to tell a story in a different way. Like my... Instagram stories are usually like, you know, a little bit longer format and there's like different stories that I upload of like time lapses, uh, storytelling and like fun facts and blah, blah. And Reels is like an even shorter format. Like you try to keep it within 15 seconds and tell a story in 15 seconds. And so what's very interesting is, is um, to think about that. Like how can I tell a story about whatever it is, like the behind the scenes of a, of a shoot? How do I tell the story of the behind the scenes of a shoot within that 15 seconds?
0: Yeah. W- within this time constraint. So when you first started posting reels, what was your follower account? And where is it at now?
1: I think when I first started posting reels, I was around like 25k.
0: That's August 2020.
1: Yeah, August 2020. And we're now in May 2021. And I just crossed 100k.
0: Holy moly. I just have to say, like, I remember last year when we first started creating reels and some of them started taking off. I just kept saying to Jerome, like, multiple times, I was like, Jerome, This is your opportunity to get to 100K. And Jerome is a very humble person. So he was like, nah, I don't think I'll get there. Like, nah, that's too far. Like he didn't even think about it. And today we're sitting here and Jerome has just crossed 100K not so long ago, and he's still growing from his reels. And I think this is such a strong testament to creating great short-form content to dominate social media nowadays. So what goes into the planning of your reels? Like, can you walk us through the, some of the basic steps of planning for a few reels that went viral for you?
1: Sure. As soon as reels launched, like it's a new feature from Instagram. So a lot of people are like jumping on that feature because we know that Instagram rewards people who use that feature. And the interesting thing is that I see a lot of people on social media who are just like blatantly copying each other and not being original. Uh, sometimes it works but you know it's kind of like how when you're a sheep you just follow the herd a lot of people are doing the same thing they're not trying to think outside the box and you know they see like someone doing something and they're like okay let me just replicate the same thing without adding my own spice to it like I think getting inspired by people and and uh you know somewhat replicating something that's similar is all right as long as you add your own spice to it you add your own twist and like you make it more, a little bit more personal to yourself. And so for me, I wanted to sort of like go one step further and really create stuff that was unique and that people weren't doing. So, you know, as soon as we started seeing more reels, like a lot of people advice on social media or like how to create this type of content with your phone and stuff, And I started doing photography tips as well. But instead of just copying everyone and replicating the same trends that people are jumping on, I was like, okay, how can I take it a step further? How can I make it like a slightly over-the-top photography tips that's going to be helpful for everyone? That's one. And two, that's going to be visually and in terms of storyline, enjoyable to watch. So just thinking of like a couple of examples, like, you know, how to make uh, a DIY drone. Like that was something that I hadn't seen anyone do um and and to make it even more engaging like you know just stick the pole in the air and like run full speed so I kind of found my you know my unique thing through that but even when I was doing like photography tips like I, I wouldn't do like just a regular like oh if you don't have a wide angle turn your phone sideways and like pan up with the panel mode that would just do slightly over the top stuff like how to um to do like a sunburst effect yeah doing stuff that basically other people were not doing because I didn't want to be the same as everyone else. And I didn't want to just like blankly copy everyone because that's not fun, that's not original, that's not creative. Yes. I just wanted to do my own stuff. And I guess I was sort of like rewarded with uh, people being interested.
0: Absolutely. You can definitely follow trends with reels and it can potentially bring you a lot of reach. But I think, you know, if when you can really come up with original ideas presented in your own unique way, that really is what gets you the most explosive growth yeah especially when you also hit trending things like trending concepts or trending sounds but it is completely unique to you i think that's when the most explosive growth happens
1: exactly there's nothing wrong with following trends because it's fun and they are a trend for a reason and people like to you know make their own video with that trend and stuff but If your purpose is to grow and to be unique, be different. And so like, um, take a competitive edge on the competition, because we all know how saturated and competitive social media is, you have to add your own spice to it. Otherwise you're just going to be the same sheep in the same herd.
0: Yeah. So then when you first started posting reels, did it immediately take off? And then how many did you have to post to see this kind of growth? How many have you created thus far?
1: Uh, Thus far, I don't know. I I actually, you know, I went over my reels and I realized that I haven't posted that many reels compared to you, for example. I feel like you've posted a lot because I I feel like compared to the average creator, I focus a little bit more on like actually creating reels that could go viral instead of just like doing half a job and and posting as much as possible. Um, It's, you know, I wouldn't say like one is uh, more correct than the other or more advisable than the other. Um, But a good balance is both. But like, you know, if you can keep quality and quantity at the same time, that's when you're gonna like push it the most. But to answer your question, like, did it grow immediately? The answer is yes, but I think the reason why it grew immediately was just because I was repurposing my best TikTok onto Reels, like only my best TikToks. The ones that actually blew up on TikTok as well, I was using them for Reels when Reels launched and Surprisingly, I did start seeing numbers like straight away. Like, you know, when I had 25K, my first one hit like 300,000 and then another like 200,000 and then a couple of ones after it got to like 1.1 million and then 1 million and yeah, I was seeing like pretty good results, but I tried to take advantage of that and like learn from those couple of like reels that I initially posted to understand like, okay, why did this one do well? And why did another one didn't do as well? and really try to understand like what happens psychologically in people's uh, mind and what makes them want to watch even more.
0: Yeah, so I just did a quick count. It seems like you've done maybe like 62, 60-something reels. I've done about 122.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's about it.
0: I mean, even 60-something reels is a lot of consistency. There aren't that many creators out there who can say they created 60-something very high performing reels you know Mm -hmm. so that is definitely um, a big contributor the consistency um, to your growth so i'm very curious when you post a reel do you see a certain pattern happen is there a certain amount of likes that you observe and then you're like okay this is going to go viral or has any of your reels like done poorly and then it picked up later on
1: Uh, i wish i could could say there was a pattern but there really isn't like sometimes it just starts poorly but explodes afterwards sometimes it just starts amazing but then you know it stalls a little bit i can see when like stuff responds well amongst my own audience and it, sometimes they might pick up uh, in the reels explore sometimes they don't i feel like the more personal it is usually the less uh, engaging is going to be for like people who don't follow you already yes um, but then if it's personal, then like, you know, some of your own followers might like the stuff. Yes. So I mean, it's that's another, you know, important aspect Like you have to understand what appeals to people who know you and people who don't know you.
0: Exactly, precisely. I think that's such a great point that you brought up. Um, I definitely see a difference between content that is more personal that does well within my own audience and then think not doing well outside of my audience. So being able to differentiate between the two and creating content for both. It's not just like only creating content for people who don't know you, but also sometimes creating content for your existing audience to nurture your audience, build a stronger relationship. I think both of these types of content have a, a lot of importance and should be combined yeah. in your content strategy.
1: 100%.
0: So how do you know that a reel will have a higher chance of going viral. What goes into that reel? Is there a hook point? Is it like visually super interesting in the beginning? Or what are some of the key factors?
1: There, there's a lot that could be said. I think a general uh, thing that always contributes to a reel performing well would be a catch point in the beginning. In the first two seconds, you need to have something that hooks you and that wants you uh makes you want to watch all the way to the end or at least until uh something happens until there's second like, a peak in the reel. um so that's point number one and point number two is that the peak that we're talking about that needs to be interesting yeah if your peak is like you know predictable for example people are just gonna be like, huh it's like predictable i
0: exactly don't
1: need to share this with my friend you need to have something that really makes people one hook in the first two seconds and two during the peak, it makes people go, wow, like you need that wow effect. So that people are like, hey, like, brother, watch this, uh, father, watch this, like, you know, <laughs> makes them want to share to like people and say like, hey, watch this, or like, oh, I want to comment or like, oh, I want to say something about it. Yes. There's a lot of people actually on TikTok and Reels who create content with the mindset of trying to trigger people um, one way or another to comment. Um, You know whether it's like oh comment your favorite photo out of those three or or just having like a uh, a what the fuck uh, element in the background for example there's someone in like a monkey costume like walking around or like you know um, something that makes people want to comment and if you can do that as well that's like a win-win so i mean there's again there's a lot of stuff if you can make a reel that has a hook in the beginning has like a very interesting peak um that really triggers people into like commenting something and they want to watch all the way to the end and they want to share that with their friends that's when it's going to perform the best and i guess that's sort of like the the formula that worked well with my post and say because initially they see me running like crazy with a pole in the middle of a city and then the peak is when they see the actual final result which looks like a drone and then that makes people want to comment saying hey you could have done this with a drone or it makes them want share it with their friends hey look this is what he did to get a drone like shot in like no flag zone
0: yeah so sometimes controversy and like this trigger point for people to comment can really generate a lot of engagement but that kind of brings me to my next point do you feel like this actually converts into follows what type of content has been the best converters for you
1: i think there's two types of content that were the best converters one is educational content which is kind of why i started doing photography tips but again like started doing photography tips that are a little bit um higher end than just like the basic stuff that people can do on their iphone and then two was just um the type of content that made people go wow and as soon as there's that wow element psychologically in people's brain then they're like oh let me see what other wow stuff he created so they, they come on my profile and they see oh my god he's created like so many other like photography tips or like posts and say in like different location with like different uh visual aspect to it and people get more curious about that and then eventually they they start following if they think that there's going to be more wow effect yeah and they want to they want to consume that wow effect
0: Yeah. So having your content be binge worthy is very important for converting people when they see your first reel and then come to your page.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah.
0: Let's talk a little bit about some of your opportunities that you've gotten since starting your Instagram page. I know that you do sports as your career. That's actually what you do, like sports marketing and sponsorships prior to the pandemic. But of course, during the pandemic, everything came to a screeching halt. Where do you see uh, yourself taking your Instagram in the future? Do you ever think you will like pursue content creation full time?
1: I guess uh, I'm discovering as I go as well. Um, I remember you asking me like one day, if you reach 100K, would you consider doing this full time as your career? To which I had replied, no. Yes. Because I'm so passionate about sports that I just want to continue working in sports. I guess it's, you know, when you ask me the question again now, I would say like, it depends. I'll see where it brings me. I, I think ultimately, you know, I'm like very passionate about sports and that's what I'll do and photography social media is more of a hobby than a than a passion but you know it's uh, we never know like a couple of months ago i never knew that i would be at 100k now and if me reaching 100k means more opportunities more travel more fun and possibly bigger and better opportunities who knows but i guess this is kind of like the beauty of social media i'll just see where it brings me and there's a lot of people who kind of live like that right like they it social media for fun and then they saw that it could have be it, it was an opportunity for them to make a living out of like making videos on youtube and posting photos on instagram that they just like stuck to it i'll see where the the wave brings me
0: yeah I think it's so interesting because when you first answered me, you're like, no, I don't think I'll ever do this full time. But my counter argument to that is like, imagine if you grew to, let's say, 500K and you really developed like great video and photography skills. When you go and pitch any kind of sporting company, then uh, there's a lot of other doors that could potentially open for you and other positions. Yeah, true. Okay, but is there a, a number? that would make you go like, okay, I'm going to do content creation full-time, like follow account. What if you were being, What if it's like money? What if you're being paid half a million dollars to create content full-time?
1: I think there's a lot of factors that comes into account. I don't think it's a matter of number. I think it's more of a matter of what makes me happy. If I am happy doing sports and working in the sporting environment, even if I don't earn as much, like I might just be happy doing that. So i don't think it's a number I, ju- I just think it's a matter of like you know the feeling of like fulfillment Am I? do i feel fulfilled and do i feel like i'm making my life count if i'm working in sports or if i'm working as a social media content creator
0: yeah Well, it was so great chatting with you today. I feel like you've shared so many great tips on how to master short-form content, whether that's stories or reels. So thank you so much for being with us today. I hope everyone has learned a lot from today's session.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a a fun conversation. We always have fun conversations anyway. But yeah, it's been fun uh, speaking about my journey and so sort of like the stuff that goes behind the scenes and whenever I'm creating content on social media so
0: yeah can you tell us uh, where people can find you on various platforms
1: my social media username is Jerome Traveler with two l's spelled the British way um, and on all my social media platforms it's the same username um, I'm mainly on Instagram sometimes on TikTok as well And I am going to start posting a little bit more on YouTube. I need to do that.
0: (laughs) Awesome. I'm so excited to watch more of your YouTube. Yay. Thank you, Jerome. Thanks again for tuning in to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who could benefit from it. And I'll see you in the next one.